0: hello and welcome to in the studio with Anne" podcast i'm Anne, and this is a continuation of the speak with love book series reading from the book the five love languages of children and if you've already listened to the other podcast you will know i'm super excited about this especially right now because so much has changed and our kids really need some extra love right now because They're struggling, I'm sure, and we're struggling as parents. But there's answers and there's ways to fix that. So if you're looking for something to do to maybe help relieve that, this podcast is a great resource and the book is a great resource and there's tons of them out there. I did talk about one on my Instagram today about the free printable that just came out from the co-author app. And it's one that helps you go down the rabbit hole a bit in some of your worries and to sit there and be still with it and then ways to help build you up out of that rabbit hole to a new perspective and to realize that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again without doing anything different and thinking you're going to get a different result. So do something different, change your perspective, make a shift, and you'll see that it's a little bit easier to take steps towards getting out of that rabbit hole. This chapter is chapter three, Words of Affirmation, which is the second love language. And it was a really good chapter like they all are. But this chapter took me down the rabbit hole a little bit. And doing the activity with the co-author app really tied in closely to this and this is why. So the reason that this chapter was a little hard for me to read was because I feel like I have to do some work in this. Um, He talks about giving the right kind of praise and not giving frequent random praise and that doing so is risky. Um, I think that that's part of the reason why I need to do some work because my love language is words of affirmation, and this is something I discover when I read this book for help with my marriage. And so I tend to overpraise my kids. And now that they're getting older, reading this chapter and his reasons why that can be risky made sense to me. So that's something I have to work on because that that can kind of become a negative and he also talks about keeping in mind one aspect of feeling encouraged is feeling good physically, and that as parents, we need to be in the best possible health physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Because when we feel encouraged, we are better able to encourage our children. Uh, that kind of hit hard for me. And it's I think my when I did the rabbit hole thing, Uh, the activity that was it for me was that am I being the best parent to my kids right now and why? And when I was able to look at am I doing the best I can to make myself the best physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? No, I'm not. Because as a mother, especially right now, we tend to believe the lie that we don't have time for that, that we just have to give it all to our families, to our kids, to our husbands, and that, you know, we just don't ha- we'll do that later. You know, that time will be later. And you know what? That's a lie because I have found that we can't change people in life. 40 years has done anything for me. It's learning that. And that goes for our kids. We're not really here to change them. We're here to go along beside them, get to know them, and guide them. And that respect, it goes both ways. And if you want respect, you have to give respect. And I truly believe that the activities that we do each day in getting to know our kids, learning their love language, understanding them, allowing emotions to be the forefront and the foundation of how we navigate with them and not lumping them together as a whole with your other kids is respecting them because we are doing them a disservice by trying to help them if we don't even know them. And if we want them to be down the road 10, 15, 20 years from now, if you want to be close to your kids, doing planting the seeds now is going to be so important, even though you feel like you just don't have the time. And I get that. I get that totally. I have days when I am just like surviving. And I have to stop and say, this is the most important time right now. So when I went down the rabbit hole, I was like, yeah, I feel like I need to take the focus off my kids. And everything... I think they're doing wrong. They're not learning well enough. They don't want to do their math. They don't want to do their worksheets. They don't want to do their Zoom calls with their teachers and their friends. And they don't want to do all of this. And if they would just do these things better, I would be happier and things would be better. And I have realized the past couple of weeks that when I made a shift to say, no, let me focus on me a little more and take those times That are important that I say this is me time and I get that time and working that out with my husband to make sure I get that time so that I can be physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually stronger. I'm going to be a better encourager to my kids because unfortunately, we're going to lead to the next thing. He spoke of the volume of a parent's voice and that it, it has great influence over a child's reaction. I think I need to work on that because By nature, I have a certain tone to my voice and I'm very passionate. And I'll be honest, I grew up in a house where everybody yelled at everybody all the time. Like it was not a healthy situation. And unfortunately, I spent a lot of years in my adult life, in my own marriage, feeling like unless I yelled and screamed, I was not heard. I was ignored and I was misunderstood. That's a whole other topic, but... By recognizing it, it's not an excuse, but it's reality. So I tend to then yell at my kids. And that is also something I don't want to do. And I find that if I am doing more of the things for myself and focusing on me a little more, I can encourage my kids with a different tone of voice. I have more clarity and I have more understanding. And it's just times like right now, taking the time to read this book again and share it or if nothing else just read the book and say wow okay I'm revisiting this about my kids because right now if I wasn't redoing this book my daughter my oldest is changing her love language because I had mentioned in the other podcast that this is going to be more prevalent the older your kids are like I would say under three, maybe four, you're going to still want to do like a happy balance of all of them and you still want to do that with your kids. But when they start to get a little older, like maybe five, six, my daughter oldest is seven, like you're really going to start seeing where you can hone in more on one that when things are bad, like you definitely want to do them all because that's just healthy. But, you know, knowing what fills them up the fastest is going to be key for making sure you keep that healthy balance and know what to focus on. But it's really going to be key when things go bad. Like times like this, when there's a lot of stress emotionally, you're going to know what to focus your one thing on and not be like, I don't know what to do for my kid right now. I'm lost. You're going to know their love language. So you're going to know that one thing is what you need to do because that's what's going to fill them up. And You may not even realize that they were being filled up in their love tank outside of your home, that now they're not getting that anymore because they're not at school. They're not around certain people that did that for them. And so now, unfortunately, just like their education, all their love language falls on you now too. And I had to realize that, especially with my son, that he's lacking and he really got filled up in ways at school around his friends that I wasn't even filling his tank. So now it's my responsibility to know more. Where was he getting that? What is that? So it's it's really been a helpful tool. But when I first reread this chapter, it kind of was difficult to read because it just kind of like stirred me up a little bit and made me a little frustrated and it allowed me to have that mom guilt and like get really like shaming myself and feeling really down and just like, I suck at this and maybe I not cut out for this It's too much. But then when I was able to just take some time to sit, sit with it and really think about it and put pen to paper and like write stuff down, write it all out, write your emotions, take that time moms because we need it makes such a difference I didn't think it did and I'm one that fell into that trap of like I don't need to do that I, I I have this figured out but no until I actually started journaling again and I found a mom that she does a great journaling program that you can you know she helps guide you through journaling every day it, it's helpful to start journaling, working through the co-author app, kind of down the rabbit hole, Um, just working it all out. It really helps give you perspective so and I think you might find, maybe like I did, that if you know your love language, you're going to see where maybe that's a chapter that's going to be hard for you it's kind of going to be like a trigger in a way. I I don't know that's how I feel like it was for me because words of affirmations that was my, that's my love language. It's something that, you know, I find in this chapter was hard for me to read. And like, really, I had to be very intentional. Uh, so he also talks about how, um, to be careful as our children grow, our children grow, um, not to use a lot of do's and don'ts and do this and don't do that, but to use loving guidance with our words to have them better retain what we're saying and rather than just dismiss us. For like an example, if your child's a teenager, rather than condemning your child's friends who are making poor choices, it's far better to take a loving approach that expresses concern for them and that that shows empathy and that you're not so much being like don't be friends with that friend I don't want you hanging out there this you act like this because you're hanging out with that friend all of those things which I feel could be very easily to to fall into because even at young age I still have this with my kids but to being able to switch that to say You know, I feel very sorry for that friend and showing empathy and caring for that friend because we can't oftentimes you're not going to get the best result by demanding um, things from your kids. So and sometimes if your kid can do it in the right way, then being friends with that friend can be a good thing. Maybe they can help that friend. You just never know. And I think it's very easy as a parent to want to dismiss those friends that are just like not the best influence or don't always act the way you want them to act. Um, that can be kind of a scary thing. But I think it goes with anything too, uh, especially with like take out the trash, you know, demanding, you know, you need to take out the trash. and But if you offer to your child, you know, it would really make me feel good if you could help take out the trash, or I really need your help with um, taking out the trash and allowing them to feel like they're being helpful. And they're a part of the family. I know for my son, who's only five, that has changed big time, it, rather than being like, go clean your room. And, you know, you guys don't ever help with anything. And, da, da, da you know, because it can be so easy just to fall into that. Because it's, you know, my kids don't just want to clean. And, keep up with things. But when I use the language in a more loving way to say, you know, it's always so helpful when you take out the trash for me and, um, you know, you've got such a help to me and I really need help today. Letting them feel like they're doing something for you and that you're not the only one that has to always do for them, I think is a good thing. Um, He mentions that children with this love language, it's very important to quickly apologize for being negative, critical, or too harsh if it happens because it's very harmful to them. And I can say I've lived this with words of affirmation being my love language. I can say I haven't gotten very positive words of affirmation for a very, very long time. And unfortunately, it does. It's very, it's just, it cuts a little bit deeper than anything else when someone uses harsh unkind words towards you it's a lot worse than if somebody would do something else so as much as it can very quickly lift them up and fill that tank it can very much destroy them and just cut them down so being very aware of that and showing them healthy love By apologizing, knowing that just because you're the parent, you don't have all the answers, you're not always right, and that they can look for that in the future as a good, healthy relationship that if somebody else is cutting them down with their words, that they should not just accept that and move on. That they should expect an apology and to understand whether the person really meant those words or not. You know, was the person just angry and they will apologize to me or are they just cutting me down all the time and I'm making the assumption that they don't feel that way or, you know, oh, it's okay. I just I deserve those words. You know, that's not a healthy thing. So we want to apologize and show them healthy versus unhealthy. Positive communication is so important to every successful parent-child relationship. It's also important that the child hear the parents and other adults around them being kind and using words of affirmation to each other. Um, This is also something I want to do a bit better. Um, I feel like my husband and I, we don't always mean anything by it, but we don't always talk to each other like the nicest. I think it's just, we've just gotten our way and we don't, we're not like overly um, lovey-dovey. And we've had to change that around our kids to actually like acknowledge, you know, if he does something, I'm saying thank you for that and he's doing it back and kind of like things that might seem silly and we kind of laugh sometimes because we're like, we don't normally do this with each other, but it's good because we want our kids to see that. And I think it's something too that very often we fall into the trap that we have to just tell our kids what to do, but we have to show them more than anything. I mean, we can't just say wear your seatbelt and we never wear our seatbelt and then they're going to be like, what? You know, we can't say be kind to people. And then they see us out and about being very unkind to people all the time. You know, that's, it's confusing for kids and not to say that there aren't those times when you they're going to see you stick up for yourself. And by all means, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm not a super submissive, quiet, shy gal. So, you know, sometimes I got to say what I got to say. But for the most part, my kids see me being kind to others and, and not going out in the world and being mean to people. Um, So it's, I think overall, um, it's, it was a really good chapter. And, I took a lot from this chapter and I hope you will too, um, especially right now because we're at home and you know, our kids are hearing so much more of our conversations with colleagues at work because we're trying to work at home, see what that looks like. Um, we're with our spouses a ton more and how do those interactions look? And it could p- potentially be that Maybe your rabbit hole you need to go down is realizing it's not really our kids. It's how my husband and I treat each other. Could we work on that together? Could we make a little bit of a difference in that area? And then as our kids see that, see us being united, see us talking to each other nicer, maybe they're going to stop acting the way they do um, You know, it's a lot to think about and it gives good perspective. It gives good things to write down and it gives good opportunities to see where you can maybe make a pivot, a small change so that next week or maybe even just tomorrow doesn't look the same way that yesterday did or those other days. We're going to have the bad days, but they don't all have to be so many so close together. And I think that I've been there in my life where – I've had so many bad days over bad days over bad days over bad days over bad days where you you come to realize that the only way to get out of it is not expecting it to be perfect the next day, not expecting it to be perfect the next week. But your goal is to make those small changes based on what you're seeing, where you can go, the little pivots you can make um, so that you have more of the good over the bad and that then when you're filling the tanks better and you're having more of the good days and you have a little different perspective, the bad days won't be as bad and you'll be able to recover from them a little bit better Um, and they won't last as long and they won't hurt as bad. So it's a great chapter. I'm loving reading this book over again. I love sharing it with you. I hope that you're getting some value from it. If you are, please share it because a lot of people need hope and a lot of people need help. And so right now, if we can just reach out to each other and lift each other up, I think this world would be so much better off in the long run. So thank you for listening. Thank you for doing what you're doing. You have a special gift. You have a special story and you have a special love language. So honor it, share it, be you and learn to love and expect those to love you the way you deserve to be loved. So until next time, I'm Anne and this is In the Studio with Anne podcast.